Hello and welcome to Black, Brown, and Bilingue, where our mission is to unite the black and brown communities through education, storytelling, and community engagement. The vision of Black, Brown, and Bilingue is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. Thank you for joining us again today. I am Lisette Jacobson, and I am one of your hosts. And I'm Maurice McDavid. I'm your other host. We are just ecstatic to have... Dr. Harleen Rick Shipley with us today. She is, this is surreal and I can't even get the words out clearly, um, but this is surreal because she is my former uh, middle school principal at yeah. Jack Benny Middle School in right. Michigan, Illinois, home of the 39ers. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, Dr. Shipley was born and raised in Waukegan. She attended Whittier Elementary, uh, Daniel Webster Junior High, and graduated from Waukegan High School. Uh -huh. She then attended Western Illinois University in Macomb, Illinois. She currently serves on the Waukegan Historic Preservation Commission and the College of Lake County Education Department Advisory Board in Grays Lake. She recently served on the Promotion Retention Committee and Discipline Committee in Waukegan uh, Community School District 60. And she was also a member of the Lake County, Illinois 2018-2019 Juneteenth Celebration uh, Planning Committees. Dr. Shipley is a member of Lake County Democratic Women, Mothers Against Wrongful Conviction, and the National Urban League and Black Lives Matter National. So there's so much more as part of your bio, but I don't want to give too much away because um, it is just impressive. Okay, Absolutely yeah. impressive. Welcome to Black, Brown, and Bilingue. Thanks for having me. I've lived a long time, so. Yeah, it's <laughs> just in those years. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. So Dr. Shipley, uh, again, we, we are very excited to have you on today. Uh, I know that Lisette has started, started us off uh, by telling us a little bit of your background, but, but just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Maybe what, what's even, uh, what can you tell us about Dr. Shipley that, that we won't find in a bio? That you won't find in a bio. Well, uh, when you were talking about earlier that I uh, went to the schools in this area, that's very much the truth. But as early as fourth grade, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be in education. According to my fourth grade teacher, I was helping her help those who were struggling. So you probably wouldn't find that in a bio. Uh, you probably wouldn't find that I have really wanted to stay in this area and help and support where I've lived. Um, I've had opportunities to go all across the country, but there's something about born and being born and raised here in Waukegan, addressing the issues, the struggles, the concerns that has always appealed to me. And I don't know if you would find that in the bios, what you know, as well. So, um, other than that, I'm uh, a lifelong bulldog. <laughs> I believe in our community. I believe in what it has to offer. I'm a product of it myself. I've been successful, been able to raise children, have grandchildren, and I want that for everyone else who is in District 60. Bottom line. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I've got to say that I, I, I immediately connect to that up until this year. This is my first year working outside of the district. 
Okay. I was born and raised in. Okay. Um, okay. And so what I have found myself needing to do, I've started a non-for-profit in my community because I still want to be able to, even though I'm working and serving another community, which yes. I love, yes. um, I, I still, there's something about home because I still live here and right. want to serve here. So I definitely understand that. Thank you so much for sharing. Never lose that connection. Yeah. And, you know, I, as I was reading your bio, I didn't know that you, you know, born and raised in Waukegan. Can you speak to um, what was Waukegan like then? Because when we moved from the city to Waukegan and then when I graduated, it, it just the demographics changed completely. Yes. But what was Waukegan like for you growing up? And then could you even go into like was there a particular person who nudged you into education? Can you expand on like why you always wanted to be a teacher? Okay. When I was in elementary school, I went to Whittier, which is in the center part of town. Okay. Um, the middle of town, the schools to the North were, uh, we were segregated at that time. Right. So the schools to the North were reserved for white students and the schools to the South for black and Brown. Okay. It wasn't until my fifth grade year and ultimately when we returned to school in sixth grade back then, you know, it was K through six in the elementary school. So sixth grade was my first year of going to a school that was integrated. All right. So we went through those issues. We went through those problems. We went through those the civil rights movement. As a matter of fact, the document that proved that de facto segregation existed in Waukegan was written in my parents' basement. It was a complete community effort. OK, it's it's, it's powerful stuff. It's powerful living through it. OK, so when we went to school as sixth graders, it was a culture shock. Even though our school um, still was, um, we did have uh, black, brown, and white, it, it, it wasn't the same because obviously busing had occurred, right? And I remember the first day of sixth grade as though it was yesterday. And I remember all of our white friends were standing there with us and we didn't realize they were white until there were uh, a surrounding group of white students there, right? They were just our friends. And our white friends looked at us and said, wow, look at all these white people. And we said, yeah, <laughs> okay. And because it was just different. Okay, a very rough year. I know the adults realize that when you go through integration, it doesn't just affect the adult community, it affects those students who have to go through it. A few months into school, we told our white friends, don't be our friends anymore. We understand you still like us, but people spitting on you and hitting on you and calling you in lover and all this kind of stuff, we just can't, we just can't handle it. Remember, we're only sixth grade. We said, we understand that you have to go over and be with some of those kids because your day at recess is so bad. Okay, so those are the memories that I remember. And that's why I fight for all kids. That's why I say it's important that in the school district, you have to provide for everyone. Okay, because everyone is there. Everyone comes with a background. Everyone comes with a story. Okay, so we go to middle school. Middle school is a little better, but we're still working out those kinks. Or I should say the adults are working out the kinks, right? And we're just trying to go to school. My freshman year, there were race riots. The schools were shut down for three days, okay? There was violence, there was blood in the schools or whatever, still trying to work through the efforts of civil rights. Okay, 
obviously the years got better. Obviously, there were people who were always a part of the cause. Obviously, like I always tell people, in the civil rights effort always had white people, always had kindred spirits. It's just not about black or brown or color. So we were able to work through that. But now we have, over the years, we have a different community now. Uh, when I was in school, it was mostly white, Puerto Rican, and Blacks. Okay, so you know our demographics have changed over the years. So what I try to say is remember now, all Blacks aren't the same, all Whites aren't the same, and all of our Latino Hispanic families aren't the same, okay? So I learned that if I didn't know it because I had, I had been taught it, I learned it because I lived it, okay? So I'm glad that has become part of my DNA. And as far as teachers, there were teachers along the way that helped me. I remember my teachers now. I saw that as a question. Kindergarten, I had Miss Lambie, first grade Miss Shelton, Miss Daniels, Miss Presley, Miss Fredericks, Miss Balls, and Mr. Gilroy. Those were my elementary teachers. I am who I am because I've always had an opinion. And they did not break my spirit. They helped to strengthen the person I am today. And then I could go into middle school and high school. So yes, it's about the business of being here, understanding what was in your community. We've all lived through things. It becomes a part of who we are. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I, 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 so, so again, Dr. Shepley, I, I used to teach American history. Yes. And, um, and I, I, talked to the students um, in, in my classroom and I, and I shared with them that, that 50 years ago in our hometown, there's no way I could be your teacher. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. you, you know, and so I think, I think it affirms that to hear, to hear some uh, of that story. Now, I think one of the things that happens sometimes with, with black history is that we tend to, as we sit here in uh, recording this in, in February and, and honoring Black History Month, I think one of the things that happens is, is we tend to focus on that story of the struggle. But can I ask you, uh, as a fellow Black educator, what were some of those joys of being a Black educator? What, what are some of those moments that you can think, I'm glad today that I'm a Black educator? Okay. Some of the joys obviously are helping others uh, rise to their potential, um, recognize what we can be, being an example of what could happen if you apply yourself, if you're committed, if that. Uh, some of the, my greatest moments is when I walk into, for example, elementary schools, and the little black and brown kids, they run up to and they say, you know, they hug because they see somebody who looks like them, okay? And I don't know if I'm walking like I have some type of authority or whatever, but it, it, it's just a good moment. So I'm glad I'm there in that time to provide whatever little light that's shining there. Yes. I've, I've been glad to be a black educator when I'm talking to people who don't look like me who have questions and concerns and comments. I'm the kind of person, if you don't know the answer, there's no wrong question. I've never been offended by people coming to me and asking me questions. I was a high school teacher. Teacher walks up to me and says, 
Miss Shipley, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, you know, I really have a problem with a lot of my, um, the black girls in my class. She was a PE teacher. And I see you and you're laughing and joking. And to be honest, it looks like you're kind of loud with them. <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's it kind of bothers me. But I've watched you and I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I said, this is deep. <laughs> said, I've kind of watched you by the cafeteria and you're talking and all that. So I said, okay. So I was able to have a dialogue and this is the day I was glad I was black because he or she was feeling some type of way about the energy that young black girls are bringing. And I was able to uh, reassure her, we just doing us. Yeah, <laughs> That's not the I real love life. it. You know, we're just having this conversation and we're just, you know, talking about, uh, you know, this is downtime. You know, you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to be, feel as though you can't be a part of that energy and that we're not doing anything wrong. So, you know, um, things like that. Oh, that is just beautiful and so incredibly affirming for me because I'm, you know, my staff will joke and they'll say, oh, we found you by your laughter or when they're looking for me, they can hear me a mile away because I'm just having a good time. And sometimes I'm the reason why the kids get riled up. I'll walk into a classroom, ah, Miss Jacobson, and they get riled up. It's my fault, but it is. And, you know, here's a funny story. When I was talking to Maurice about having you on, I said, one of my most fondest memories of you we were in a middle school there's two I'll give you one of them right now okay it was a middle school dance and you're right when you walked in you just had that presence like even if we were being knuckleheads we were straighten out like okay we didn't want to like disappoint you and so you you came into a dance and I think we started like chanting for you to dance and you were looking at us like nah I ain't gonna do it I ain't gonna do it and then Busted out into the butt. You went into the bounce. <laughs> and then we just, I, I remember we just broke out into this cheer. Like, yes, she busted a move. She can dance. She gets us. It was like, because, you know, again, you do have that presence. And so to see you in that little moment. Right, right. Breaking right, right, right. a little dance, we were all over it. It was beautiful. So that's one of my fondest memories. Okay, okay, good. So, so definitely, like, to hear you describe that, I can definitely see you doing that because yes, it's who you are. So actually, I just saw today that you shared... Um, a uh, a post where you actually had Ruby Bridges. Yes, ma'am. Come in, and I, and I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that a little bit, um, because like Maurice pointed out earlier, you know, when we talk about Black history, we don't necessarily talk about some of the joys, or we we tend to think of it as like so such a long time ago. Right. But to, when I saw those pictures, I'm like, man, this is very current in the grand scheme of things this is this is recent yes. so can you speak to that experience a little bit for us well um the ruby bridges foundation they contacted me because they had heard some of the things that i was doing by hewitt associates okay having the time to reprogram and different things like that so miss bridges um had a program where she had pen pals and she had schools that were in predominantly white areas and then other schools that were in uh, more diverse areas. So she wanted to choose Jack Benny Middle School. Okay, so she chose us. And the uh, students actually were pen pals. It was sixth grade students 
for about three or four months. And they connected and they wrote and they uh, read her book and heard her story about her integrating, uh, you know, the Louisiana schools and, um, and um, just all of that and got a chance to go through some of those conversations in their classrooms, through their letters, okay? And then um, ultimately they met. So um, when I spoke to Ms. Bridges, she said, you know, I always want to go to the... Um, the um, schools that the majority of the uh, students of color are at. Because oftentimes they don't get to have this highlight or they don't get to feel as though they're special. So I tried to do that. So we, at first we visited Caruso um, uh, uh, Middle School in Deerfield. And I remember one of the students got there their school, and I think uh, someone mentioned on their comments that they saw the difference and the disparity. They were like, oh my goodness, Ms. Shepard, this is like a, a college or something off a of TV. And they, they were saying like, be, be careful, don't touch anything. These are my kids. And it was heartbreaking because they're just as good as anyone else. Okay. So they, you know, they were like, look at their lockers. And sure enough, they had lockers like the size, you know, they were over like six feet tall. And okay, just the, you know, um, aesthetics of the building. Okay, so we spent a day there. Then we got back to school and we had to kind of process this because it was a different experience for a lot of my students. It was heartbreaking for some of them to say, well, when they come here, they're not going to go around our school, are they? And, you know, Jack Benny is one of the newer schools in Waukegan. But because there were kids who were concerned that our school didn't look as good as theirs, that it was going to be something of a negative experience. And I said, well, actually, we, um, we're going into the gym. Ms. Bridges is going to be there. And then we're going to have lunch and then that type of thing. So they all told me what to have for lunch that day. <laughs> so I actually had to meet with the superintendent. I said, okay, this is what the kids want to have. And um, it was a fantastic day. They got a chance to sit next to their pen pals. Of course, Ruby Ridges was there and whatever. And it was funny because a lot of the Caruso students came back and said, when they were leaving out, they kept saying, your food is better than ours. <laughs> so my kids were so excited. So I was glad they were able to add to the, you know, to the experience. So you're right. You know, we think of civil rights or we think of social justice as being a long time ago, but it's actually we're living it every day. We're living it every day in um, all of our walks of life. And we all have to remember that we have to do our best to make a positive mark on it as we move forward, because these stories I'm telling now are only a few years old. Yeah, that definitely is is what's standing out to me, like to see you and, you know, thinking of my own educational experience and to know that you went to segregated schools like that just yeah. hits home. You know, it makes it real. Like we always read about it, but it's just like it's just that constant reminder. Right. And I remember, you know, um, when we were growing up in Waukegan, we knew that we, Black people knew that they couldn't ride north of uh, Sunset. Mm -hmm. So we could ride up to Sunset and we could we would turn our bikes around and come back further south. And, you know, this has only been a few years. I remember how the Black and Brown community, when I became principal of Jack Benny, they were just overwhelmed in tears because I was the first administrator of color to be north of Sunset. 
Yes, and that's what we're so, that we're right north of sunset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, but that's not, it hasn't been that long ago. It's been 20 years. So yeah, so civil rights is just around the corner. We're living it just now as we speak. Mm. I, I think I think that that is um, I think that that's that's an incredibly powerful thought, right? Is that is that the civil rights movement has not ended? We 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 are still moving, mm-hmm. and it's an ongoing journey. Yes, yeah. Um, I was thinking about the idea that yesterday the state of Illinois passed through the culturally responsive teaching and leading standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so I was fortunate enough to be able to be a part of writing those through the Diverse and Learner Ready Teacher Network. Um, and that, that was a humble brag. That was a humble brag. I promise you. I was going to put you on, but you didn't even let me get to it. I just wanted to throw it out there, but, but I say that because part of the conversations we've had surrounding that is that it's an ongoing journey. Now here's the other part. We started writing those in 2018. Mm -hmm. Had we tried to pass them in 2019, I think there would not have been as much, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, much to do about it. Right. But because of the year we've had in 2020, Woo! I think it put everything in perspective. So now I, I'm, I'm saying all of that to say, OK, I'm listening to you speak. And, and we know that you have made a decision to run for school board mm. and to serve your community. What is it going to mean to be? A, a person of color running for school board in a community that has this history right. of divisiveness. It has a history of, of change. It has a history of, of, uh, of, again, 20 years ago, you becoming the very first, you're, wait, we're still making history where there's still first black people to do something 20 years ago. Right. And I'll say that because uh, I, I believe I'm the first black principal in my district. Right. And so what is it going to, you know, what is, what, what inspired you to run for school board? What is that going to look like and mean in a post 2020 culture in which we're living? That's a good question. Very good question. Well, first of all, I want to say that I've been following the writing of the cultural responsive uh, standards for as long as you've been writing. I've been looking for them and finally with the passing, I'm saying, uh, now we're finally getting on track. We're finally where we need to be because it's about that business in 2021. Well, I'm running for the school board again because I think that what I bring to it is that I realize that you have to plan for everyone and that the school board, that is their job and that's their responsibility. And sometimes we have people who are left out of the planning or we think that they can wait or we think that their turn will come around. And I've never believed that when it uh, comes to students. And I think that some of that is missing on the school board. So as we look in post George Floyd, and I say that because imagine someone like me thinking, wow, Look how the world is finally getting it after George Floyd when we got it years ago. So it, it, as tragic as that situation was, it's good to know that out of it, we have enlightenment. We're moving forward. Your standards were able to be passed because people finally said, wow, I see what this is about if they didn't see it before. So I'm hoping to... Um, 
put together the puzzle because you got pieces out there. I'm hoping to bring some experience. I'm hoping to bring some knowledge. I'm hoping to bring all of that to say, what can we do to move students forward? Because as I say now, the student two years ago, just two years ago is different now, okay? After going through COVID, after going through remote learning, after going through some of the devastation that they've seen with social justice, you're gonna have groups of students who before may have um, stood back, may not have said anything. And now they're gonna say, hey, wait a minute. Right. Because they've heard that conversation. They've gone to, through those, to those rallies. They've talked to their friends where they may not have had those conversations before. So schools, when we return to one-on-one um, um, -on -one learning, in-person learning, have to have some support in those classrooms so we can address some of the issues that have occurred. Have occurred. I, I'm willing to say it. I don't have a problem saying, and I think that I can bring forth some solutions that we can put in place in District 60 that will help us move through the changes that we're going to see. Right. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, I, that's a big task, and I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering as you, again, kind of look at um, – this this move to run uh, for for school board. Um, what do you think is going to be uh, per perhaps um, one of the challenges? Because you know you're bringing a, a wealth of experience uh, in terms of an educational background. Um, what what do you think will be some of those other challenges that that you'll face? You know, uh, where you could be elected on school board. Well, I think some of the challenges are going to be. Um, that I think some people are uh, may not be as progressive minded or don't have the same sense, sense of urgency, okay? I have a sense of urgency that I've had for all of these years as it relates to students. When I had Lisette, I only had three years to make a difference in her life. I didn't have from pre-K to high school and post, I had three years. So if she doesn't get it in sixth grade, guess what? I'm, I'm still supposed to be hitting it at seven. If she doesn't get it in seven, I'm still supposed to be hitting it at eight. So that when I see her as a ninth grade, I say, okay. So I did my work. See, if I don't do my work in seventh grade, that means eighth grade has to catch up. That means that if her time in life to get it is in ninth grade, she's behind the eighth ball, right? Because none of us can see in a crystal ball. So that's what I'm going to bring. I'm going to bring... I'm going to be persistent and I'm going to be determined and I'm going to follow through as I've always done saying this is what I feel needs to happen if we give educational opportunities to all our students. That's what public education is about. It's about providing for all of the students and filling in the gaps where they occur. I think we have some people on the school board, I say, okay, it used to be 17% of our kids are learning. Now it's 20. Okay, now it's 22. Well, that's never been my mentality. I've always been the one. If 599 of my students ate lunch and one didn't, I wanted to know why the system didn't work for that one. I'm glad 599 ate. Don't get me wrong. That's good. But why wasn't that one child able to um, manipulate uh, or go through the system? Why wasn't it uh, 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 where he could eat as well? She could eat as well. Okay. That's what I think public education is about. That's what I think is missing 
on the, this Board of Education that their timeline or, the, uh, or their sense of urgency is lacking? Yeah, you know, I agree. And um, being a product of Waukegan Public Schools, you know, while I feel extremely blessed to have had some of the educators that I've had, um, you know, we, we are aware of some of its downfalls or, or shortcomings because um, we see the inequities. We see, like you said, the, the percentages aren't the greatest, but I can definitely attest as a student um, that you uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, for lack of a better word. I want to share another thing that I remember about you. Um, I was having some girl trouble in middle school one time, and it was a friend. Look at me, Maurice. It's just like, oh, girl trouble. <laughs> but, but, but I, I, in that moment, I remember feeling like, ooh, she gets it. There was this girl that we were friends, but then we had a falling out, and you know, she started picking on me, and we came down. We like went into an argument in the classroom. We got sent to the office, and you let her have it. But you let her have it in a way that was very maternal. And it reached both of us. We both kind of stood there like, oh, we messed up. Like, why, why are we even fighting? It was like, and then I started to cry. And you were looking at her, you were pointing your finger and you were like, you do not do this. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, uh, punitive. You were really letting us have it, but we needed it. And it was so maternal and it, and it broke through to us. And at that moment, I remember thinking like, Ooh, thank goodness she handled this because I was getting to the point where it could have gotten physical. So I definitely can see you as someone who will stick up for the one that if the system didn't work for the one, you will definitely go to bat for them. I can tell that it's in your spirit. It's it's just who you are. I'm, I'm very opinionated too. And I, <laughs> I think that I um, have had some really, really good examples. Now, as um, principals, Maurice and I, we always have to, you know, enforce the policies um, at the building level. But, you know, you on the other hand will be writing the policy. What do you think will be the biggest difference between enforcing it and uh, writing policy? Okay. Well, I'm sure there have been policies that you've had to enforce that you didn't necessarily agree with. Okay. And you said, well, I wish it was this way and I wish it was that. And then, you know, you can pass it along to your supervisor or whatever, you know, the hierarchy, hierarchy is. As a board member, I'm hoping to be more inclusive. Um, I'm hoping to, I've been looking at some of the policies and I see where there's gaps. Um, we need to update them. Some of it is uh, as simple as terminology, okay? Uh, uh, once again, being more inclusive. So I see the biggest difference is, um, in my mind's eye, I always think of a person, a student, I've always been able to do this, and I say, will this policy support that student, right? And I'm going to continue that if I'm fortunate to get on the Board of Education. I know enough students, former students. I know enough uh, uh, parents and grandparents in the community that I can sit down to a policy and say, ooh, this is not helpful. 
You know, this is not uh, helpful for this group of students. This is not helpful for our English language learners. This is not helpful for this student group. This is not helpful for grandparents who are raising children who may not have all the paperwork because their their, their they're not the guardian yet, but they're doing the best to keep the, okay. So I have enough of those in uh, my mind's eye that I hope when I'm sitting down and obviously board policy, there's seven members on the board that we can reach some common ground and we can uh, understand why we need to write something that's gonna benefit all of our student groups and all of our students and give them as many educational opportunities as possible to be successful. Not all students take advantage of that. We know that, but that, like I said before about me when I was a middle school principal, it's not up to me to just say, okay, well, they'll get it in high school because I still have to do my part so they're ready when it's time to get it. So I know that um, uh, Waukegan has has definitely become a very uh, diverse community. And um, obviously this is black, brown, and bilingue. And, and one of our goals um, as, um, as a podcast and, and um, you know, partnership is to really look at bridging that gap mm -hmm. that has historically existed between the black and brown community. Yes, yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what that has looked like in your previous experience and, and maybe some ways in which you could address that, you know, from, from a board perspective? Okay. Um, we were just talking about policy and we know that until the least of us, okay, are learning and being successful, that your whole district is going to struggle. And you're absolutely right. I think um, in, in some of the cases, uh, the black community has gone through different events that the brown community is just now going through. We should be learning from one another and supporting one another. We should not, we don't have to be pitted against each other. For example, if there are bilingual dollars because there's a bilingual grant, okay, of course you want those dollars to go to the students that it's supporting. But that doesn't mean that that initiative doesn't have to go, they should go to non-bilingual students as well, right? So you want to have a district, you want to have a policy that uh, policies that foster that, right? So that the parents are feeling there's a pull and tug. When we're looking at dual language classrooms, initially when they were uh, introduced, um, our bilingual parents thought that they were going to lose out. Their kids were going to lose out on services instead of the dollars being put forth to enhance the environment and creating um, bilingual students out of uh, students who did not speak a sec second language. So it's about not only talking it, but you have to have that policy on paper. You have to have someone driving that and being upfront about it. If you're sitting back and you're letting all of that foster without addressing it, then you're gonna have problems. So I've seen that once again, I've seen the demographics of Waukegan change, but I've also seen how you can bridge the gap if you talk and you explain and you say, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's gonna help your child but it's also going to help others and we can all help one another if we're talking about increasing educational opportunities and improving academic achievement, okay? All right, so then um, Dr. Shipley, how can uh, folks go out and vote and can you give us just some details on the upcoming election for school board? Okay, 
This election cycle um, in the school board, there are seven members of the actual school board. Four seats are up. Nine people are running, okay? Um, early voting begins March 12th, all right? And then the actual election day is uh, April 6th. So you need to go out as soon as possible <laughs> and apply for your mail-in ballots because they're available now. You can go online at the Lake County Courthouse and receive your mail-in ballot if that's how you plan to uh, you know, vote. Um, the 12th starts early voting and that's just at the Lake County Courthouse. On the 22nd, other early voting sites will open up. So if you go to the Lake County Courthouse, the website, you can get that information. And it's uh, at, let's see, www.voteearly.info. Okay, you can go to that website and get all of the information regarding the upcoming April 6th election. Thank you so much for, um, for even being willing to serve. I don't know if people uh, always recognize, but like, you know, the school board is not a paid position. Right, right. <laughs> um, and, and listen, I, I know because uh, my, my wife actually uh, is in her third years uh, uh, on the school board. Um, she'll begin her third year in April um, uh, of a four-year term here in DeKalb. Um, she was the president her first year and currently okay. serves as secretary. And, um, and that's why I had to get up out the district because I said, you know, <laughs> my wife can't be my boss at home and at work. You know? right. That's doing way too much. That's too much. That's too much. She, she can be my boss one place or the other. We can't, so. um, but, uh, but, you know, so I, I really, I do appreciate uh, the service because I think, you know, again, a lot of folk want to talk the talk. They want to talk about how, I want to change the community, but this is an opportunity um, to, to, you know, local elections is an opportunity to, to literally get involved and, and begin to do those things. Yeah, um, I, I, I did have one. I was just thinking about this again. I wanted to kind of go back to you um, as an as a retired educator, um, principal, uh, classroom teacher, uh, now continuing to be a, a volunteer and involved. Um, you know, one of the efforts of ISBE um, has been to diversify uh, the classroom. Um, so if, if we uh, are able to get some listeners, some, some, you know, young Black and Latino people who are trying to figure out, what do I want to do with my life? What, what's one reason why they should be an educator? Um, you know, uh, what's what's one reason why they should get involved in education, whether a school psych, school social worker, classroom teacher, um, you know, what would your answer be if they came and asked, hey, I'm thinking about this, but I'm not sure. Because you have the opportunity on a daily basis to positively influence, mold, shape, encourage lives. Mm. on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something you know, you, when, when you're in other professions, you may not um, see the benefit. You may not uh, reap the benefit or know if, you know, you may have to look at statistical data. But even if you have a student for five minutes passing in the hallway and you say, okay, you need to move to, you know, stay to the right. And that student does that, that's influence. It may be on the base, the um, the uh, the smallest level. It may be basic in nature, 
but you have the opportunity to do that over and over. I didn't know I have influenced Lisette. Years later, she says, I remember, I remember. That's why it's important that we get in school that she says it's okay for me to be because I had like one of the loudest laughs. <laughs> you know, I, I was in the grocery store and somebody came over and said, Harleen, is that you? I thought, what? <laughs> I was like, and I had a mask on and everything. I, thought, I, was like, I need to tone it down. Okay. But isn't that a good thing that she can come back years later and say, this made me feel better now. And you have that all the time. So you're doing that on a daily basis and as a person of color, because that's what we're talking about, you know how other people who look like you have influenced you. So if you're looking for something to do that is going to reap benefits every day, go into education. Mm. It makes a difference. Yes, it does. It definitely does. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. It is customary for us to ask our interviewees to leave us with like one final thought. So what is one thing that you would love for our listeners to walk away with today? I would like you to walk away with um, the voting process is an important one. Mm -hmm. um, politics is local. It's one thing to one things done on the national level, but it starts in your own hometown. So whoever you choose to support, make sure you're involved, make sure you know the issues, make sure you know how uh, voting one way or another is going to influence you, yours, those that you love. And that's what it's about. It's us really trying to do what we can to make a difference, okay? And that's what I would say. Plain and simple. <laughs> Perfect. You know, for any uh, Latinos out there, please get out and vote. I'm going to make sure I pass this information on to my parents. Um, they became U.S. citizens, I want to say about 10 years ago, and Fantastic. they decided to mm -hmm. vote ever since. Oh, so yeah. I am getting on the phone like, hey, what do I need to do to set you up to get to vote? So <laughs> there you go. You can there get you go. vote there. <laughs> Especially, especially at the local level, especially, you know, especially at the local level where literally, you know, <laughs> we, we, I remember my wife won with, with, I think she had 2000 votes, Dr. Shipley. It was, it was something like that. And so literally you talk about your vote counts. If you yeah. want to, you want to participate yeah. in something, your vote absolutely counts, right. um, especially at the local level. And, so, yeah, right. and at the local level, it's those policies that directly impact your day-to-day -day life. More yeah, than right. That. So. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah.